0: This
1: is KCLR's Bottom Line
0: with John Purcell.
1: Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie.
0: Hello, good morning, and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock this morning. Thanks to Brian Redmond for the last two hours on the breakfast buffet. It's a chilly but lovely bright Saturday morning in Kilkenny and Carlow. This morning on The Bottom Line, with the release during the week of a frankly scary report on the pace of climate change and the world's failure to take enough action, we'll hear about how you can access a range of green skills training programmes or how your business can be helped identify what you need to do. We'll be talking to Gabrielle Carl and Gillian Ryan from Kilkenny Carlow education and training board The chief executive of the newly established radio centre Ireland will talk to us about the first piece of research conducted by the new organisation and we'll be putting 20 questions you wouldn't normally ask in a business meeting to a local business person in our 20 questions feature but first during the week the Central Bank of Ireland published its second quarterly bulletin of 2022 these regular bulletins contain information on key economic data as well as forecasts for the future and we We're all interested in that in these uncertain times. During the week, I spoke with one of the authors of the Bulletin. That's Martin O'Brien. He's head of Irish Economic Analysis with the Central Bank of Ireland. I started by asking him to tell me about how the data on which the Bulletin is based is sourced.
2: So I mean there's a vast array of sources. There's obviously there's official data uh that say will be published by people like the Central Statistics Office, uh there's other data that will come from other government departments, there's you know the policy measures themselves that say government departments and the central bank et cetera would be taking that would also inform uh, the outlook. We also do engage quite a bit with um, uh, with with business representative bodies and in, in particular, we do uh, reach out and get some you know uh, qualitative insights, in particular from people to, to try and inform our own our own outlook as well. So that kind of two way interaction between uh, the central bank and, and also reaching out into different communities across the country is also an important feature to inform the outlook.
0: Now, before this week, the last uh, quarterly bulletin was released on the twenty sixth of January, and the headline was positive economic outlook. A lot has changed since then. Um, the headline on the most recent one has been slower than previous uh, targets or slower than previous forecasts but growth set to continue uh, but higher inflation. Tell us about the headlines in the current economic bulletin.
3: Yeah, that's
2: right, uh, John. I mean, so, I mean, on the face of them and in in and of themselves, you know, the numbers that we've just published uh, earlier this week are are, are relatively favorable. Uh, It's still seeing, you know, growth in the domestic economy averaging about 4% over the next two to three years. We're still expecting, you know, about 190,000 net new jobs to be created in the economy out of 2024. Uh, But obviously, you know, the world has changed quite a bit uh, between January and the start of April. Uh, most notably the the Russian war and the invasion of Ukraine uh, has meant that there is a a, a, a a significant impact in terms of commodity prices and the outlook for inflation in particular has changed and that has a knock-on impact in terms of how the expectation was... currently relative to say what it was back in January where we were forecasting pretty exceptional growth rates uh, for the economy. Uh, That's been tempered somewhat by the recent developments. As I said, the main channel that's coming through is the, the, the higher than previously anticipated inflation and the extent to which that is lasting longer uh, in, in 2022 in particular. And that has an implication for you know, for people's you know, real real incomes, how much they're going to be able to spend, what they're going to be spending on. And then that also sort of feeds through to, to overall you know, growth in the economy.
0: Yeah, higher inflation is really eye-popping, really. Um, tell us about the forecasts for the way the central bank thinks it's going to go this year.
2: So at the moment, that current expectation now is that the uh, the inflation rate uh, will, will 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 average about six and a half percent for the year as a whole. Now that's very high by historical standards. Even uh, you know for the year as a whole, if we were to think about that, you are know, talking about you know almost forty years um, you know, since we've had similar similar readings within 2022 itself. Uh, we're expecting uh, so the monthly inflation numbers that w- people will be, would be uh, aware of that come out uh, every month. We, we're expecting that to continue to increase. The latest one was about six point seven, six point um, eight uh, percent, and we're expecting that to increase, obviously, through uh, to the middle of the summer, uh, probably you know hitting around eight uh, percent in the summer before gradually easing uh, in the rest of the year. So, unfortunately, in the short term, um, you know, th- you know, further price increases. Uh, it's to be expected, and this is really being driven primarily by what's happening in in energy prices. Uh, What we're seeing is that the prices of of, uh, energy in the international wholesale markets for, say, oil, for gas, uh, they have spiked quite significantly uh, in the last couple of weeks as a result of the the invasion of Ukraine. Uh, They'd already been quite high in particular for gas uh, even before that, Uh, and that sort of gradually passed through to the prices that you know the households and businesses uh, in Ireland will pay for things like the electricity, things like the gas, uh, for you know yeah, fuel for transport, etc. And there are also other implications then of that because energy is such a sort of core input to economic life in general. Um, you know, businesses that are facing costs, uh, higher cost production, will then also you know for the most part be passing that on to, oh, to a certain extent, will be passing that on to their own com- customers, and so. We start to see, um, you know, prices for other goods and services increasing uh, as well. Most notably, I think food uh, in, in over the 2022. So the two biggest components. If you look at sort of what what makes up the inflation for figures for this year, are really what's happening on the energy side, the fuel side, and also uh, increasingly so as the year goes on in terms of, of food price inflation too.
0: Three p- pretty important components, Tanni: household uh, basket with consumer price inflation, as, as you indicated, at pretty, you know, unusually and very unusually, and even historically high levels. If you go back over a thirty-year period. Any indication of what this is going to do on consumer demand which is a key component for business
2: yeah no it certainly will uh, uh, dampen it somewhat I mean what we are also seeing you know overall um, we're probably looking at you know real incomes going down uh, um, by about you know three to four percent in terms of what people uh, the spending power that people have now it has to be said that, you know, the recovery from the pandemic has been quite remarkable in terms of consumer demand. And, uh, you know, there is quite a lot of momentum coming into this year uh, that would be supportive of, of the business environment and, and the consumer Uh what has happened is that because of the higher inflation, has taken a little bit of a hit. Um, so we're expecting, you know, um, cons- uh, consumption overall to grow by about seven percent this year, which is still remarkably strong uh, and coming off the back of obviously quite a challenging couple of years for uh, for particularly consumer-facing services, uh, uh, accommodation, restaurants, etc. Um, so while there will be some challenges and, and a lot of the, as you mentioned, the, sort of the goods that we're seeing the prices increase this on they're very difficult for consumers to sort of uh, not they don't uh, they can't consume. they can't move away from them necessarily uh, you know, you still need to, to to have your heat and light you still need to have your 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 staples in terms of food uh, so you know some of the more discretionary aspects of consumer spending might m- might not be as uh, as robust over the coming period because of that of that high inflation i think another thing just to note is that, like we also had quite a big uh, increase in terms of uh, um, uh, savings during the pandemic where in essence people weren't able to consume uh they weren't able to go out and spend their money but they were still getting you know reasonably good uh income growth over the ca- past couple of years uh, and that provides some sort of buffer for some households anyway uh, in terms of uh ensuring that they can maintain uh spending to a certain extent even in the face of, of of some of that higher inflation but obviously you know that differs across different households in particular lower income households uh Rural households, um, uh, older households, are, are really the ones that are are, are particularly affected by the, the kind of the inflation that we're seeing at the moment.
0: Yeah, now the consumption forecast is pretty encouraging at seven point four percent, but interesting to see it slowing. Uh, forecast to slow next year and the year after to four point seven percent and three point nine percent. Uh, into those two years what's a normal year so to speak consumption forecast you know would 7.4% be really above average
2: Oh, yeah, no, 7.4% would still be quite exceptional um, in, that, in that regard. Uh, but uh, to, uh, the 7.4% is obviously flattered uh, because of, you know, uh, last year we had obviously the impact of the pandemic restrictions still being in place for a significant part of the year. Um, uh, but the normal sort of range would be in the region of 3 to 4% um, you know, every year. So what we're, while we are seeing them, th- those growth rates uh, ease, Uh, As you mentioned, next year and the year after, you know, they're still quite. Um, you know they're still quite favourable overall, um, uh, but I would also say that there is a, a huge amount of uncertainty at the moment around the outlook, and you know, people have to be conscious of that as well. Uh, a lot of what we're, you know, the forecast is, is, is basically hinged on, um, you know, the expectations around the, in the wholesale markets around how energy prices and things will evolve. And right now, those expectations are for energy prices to, while remaining high, uh, not to be as increasing as much and perhaps coming down a little bit through 2023 and into 2024. And that's what then sort of, uh, you know, is a real sort of linchpin on on the outlook that we have in our bulletin. Uh, if anything, for any reason, that wasn't to be the case, whether, you know, if unfortunately the, the, the situation in Ukraine uh, gets worse or the, the implications, the economic implications, that, get, get, that gets worse, you know, the outcome could be could be a, a little bit less rosy. Mm. Uh, so it's, it is something to just be conscious of, there's a lot of a a huge amount of uncertainty and even more so than what would normally be the case uh, in terms of the current outlook
0: i'm not sure what ireland's previous trade links and the extent of trade with ukraine and russia have been but uh, some of our people that we'd be doing business with presumably germany for example would have big uh, trade links with them what kind of impact is that disruption going to have on irish exporters do you think or is there any indication on that
2: there is, uh, and you're right. So all are direct. Sort of trade links, as you mentioned, between the two countries there, Russia and Ukraine, wouldn't be very large. It, it is large in terms of certain certain um, um, products. Um, so, for example, you know, coal, um, uh, certain cereals as well, maize, um, and uh, you know, there are certain uh, fertilizer, chemical fertilizer as well. So, it, it, there are some domestic implications for certain sectors as a result of of, of, of reduced trade in those coming from uh, from Russia and Ukraine, particularly in the agriculture. Sector, so it's not sur- uh, surprising that you know uh, you know the costs of, of production in the agriculture sector is going to be are going to be higher, and that will likely, as I said, inform the the food price developments as we as as I mentioned to you earlier. But you're right in terms of the broader perspective. Uh, you know, this is a significant impact on the European economy more generally. We don't have a very uh, large direct exposure to say Russian oil or Russian gas, uh, uh, but you know other countries in Europe do, uh, and. You know the implications of that is that you know uh, the the as the, the the moves are being made away from uh, from from those products, uh, there is going to be a transition period. It, it is going to impact in terms of demand in countries in uh, that are more severely directly exposed to Russia. Um, uh, you know in Europe, and, and you know we would expect that uh, that would also impact on the level of export growth uh, from Ireland to those countries like you know Germany, Italy. Um, uh, Etc. Uh, and so we have reduced somewhat our outlook for the export export growth uh, this year. Um, uh, but it should also be mentioned that 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 uh, that sort of is perhaps going to be more acutely felt by I suppose the indigenous exporter, if I can put it to you like that, the 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 the, uh, the, the, the small business exporter. I suppose necessarily the multinationals. Um, our multinational exports are really concentrated um, in sort of. Um, sectors like pharmaceuticals and things like that that would be, there are having challenges but not Perhaps to the same extent as say the the, the, the small to medium sized business might be facing um, uh, in in the con- that are that are exporters into those sort of markets uh, uh, like uh, like we mentioned on the on the continent.
0: Well, look, it looks to me like uh, the quarterly bulletin, the third quarterly bulletin for 2022, is going to be an interesting one, and hopefully we can have you back on to talk to us about that. Martin O'Brien, head of economic analysis at the Central Bank of Ireland. Thanks very much. Thanks, Ron.
4: The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you
1: with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie
0: You're very welcome back you're listening to The Bottom Line the programme for and about business on KCLR I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock this morning now later in the programme we're going to be hearing a well-known local person in business take part in our popular feature 20 questions where they'll get to answer a range of questions about subjects that wouldn't normally be raised in business meetings and we'll be talking about training and supports that are available to businesses in this area in the quest to take on the challenges presented and the changes required by every sector of society caused by the climate crisis. But next, we're talking about a subject close to all our hearts, radio. Now, listeners and people working in radio like myself know that the pandemic and the changes it wrought on society have meant big changes for radio and how people use it. These changes have mirrored general changes in working practices with the emergence of WFH, that's working from home, blended and hybrid work models. To discuss... A very interesting piece of research that has just been released about how people used radio and also how their working lives have changed because of the pandemic. I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Kieran Cunningham, Chief Executive of Radio Central Ireland. Good morning, Kieran.
4: Good morning, John. How are you?
0: Good. Now, full disclosure here: myself and Kieran work together on Radio Centre Ireland. But for the purposes of this chat, we'll ignore all that and just treat it as if we know nothing. Kieran, before we talk about Radio Centre Ireland, give listeners a bit of background about yourself before you joined Radio Centre Ireland.
4: Yes, I spent 30 years on the agency side, so a century advising clients how to spend their money and where to spend their money. So um, I've moved to the other side of the fence and prior to that I actually started my career going way back when in in RTE so I've kind of moved full circle. But I joined Ready Centre Ireland at the start of January and I'm really enjoying it so far. Yeah
0: because it's really important for people when they do spend uh, marketing uh, books or their marketing spend that it's placed uh, correctly and provides value for money Uh, and agencies do that. Tell us a bit about the purpose of Radio Central Ireland.
4: The purpose ultimately is to promote radio as a medium to advertisers and to the agencies sometimes that that, um, advise advertisers. And really, you know, it's a great job because the strengths of radio are enormous. Um, If you think about radio, think about the reach that it delivers, the huge audience it has every single day, and the unique relationship that listeners have with the medium. It's a uniquely personal medium. People invite listeners in as they're doing now into their homes, into their daily lives, and into their cars, and it's a hugely trusted medium, which means that people really believe what is said on on the medium, what is said is on the platform, and those three strengths really deliver in terms of it being an advertising medium that's hugely powerful, and there's lots of research, mainly internationally, that shows that when advertisers spend on radio, it does deliver short-term and long-term brand sales but it is a highly, highly competitive marketplace because as you, everybody will well know the choice that advertisers have is now enormous with the explosion of digital so the role of Radio Centre Ireland is really to promote audio within that very competitive landscape
0: Yeah, now I mentioned about the changes that the pandemic wrought. tell us about this piece of research and what you looked at first of all I suppose on the changes that it's had in consumer spending and consumer behaviour and the way people work
4: Yes, in terms of consumer spending, I mean, essentially what's happened, you know, people have spent two years not doing very much and they have missed going out and about. Um, And the research really shows that people are, are, are trying to spend some money, they're trying to have some fun and spend on fun things such as eating out, holidaying abroad and holidaying in Ireland and kind of the backdrop to that is that you know ireland has saved more money than any other country in europe there's over 500 there's over a hundred billion i should say of savings in in the market and ireland and irish people want to want to spend that money and even your pre your previous um, contributor there just talked about the central bank figures which show that um, they're expecting consumer demand to be at 7.4 percent, which is nearly double what it normally would be so there's a pent-up demand to spend money to have some fun and do things that people missed for the past two years
0: yeah and my previous conversation with um uh, the central bank about the central bank forecast showed that despite everything there is some growth forecast um we talked also about changes in working practices how did working practices change i think i know the answer to that there was a huge amount of working from home but what are the going to be the long-term effects of those changes
4: Yes. when well, we've asked people now that the restrictions have lifted, what's their view in terms of working from home? Firstly, about one in four people at the moment are still working from home. Obviously, lots of people can't work from home in the nature of their job. They're on the front line, etc. But currently, about one in four people are working from home. And of those one in four people, the vast majority want to keep a balance between potentially working in the office for some days, but also working from home. They like what they had during the pandemic in terms of that balance, that lifestyle balance of being able to do things that they couldn't do when they were in the office full time. So a huge proportion want to spend some time working at home and some time working in the office. Only 5% of people actually want to go back to the office full time. So it's a very, very small amount. And for the people who are working from home, we asked them the role radio played during the pandemic and how it's going to continue to play into the future. And it was really, really interesting. Firstly, people had more time to experiment with radio. So they spent more time listening during the day. They also said they changed their listening habits. They actually, some people, a third said they listened to more stations than they had done before and listened on different platforms. I think the other really interesting thing is the role radio played outside of just that listening role because people, nearly half of the people surveyed said radio was a form of company for them at home. And a huge proportion also said that radio helped them when they were under pressure and lifted their mood and one in five actually said it helped them work better, made them more productive and more focused. I think it's really, really interesting research, and I think it's research. Or trends that are going to continue into the future because people are not going to go back to the way we worked previously. They do want the balance of life. They want to work from home and work in the office and mix that up and radio has a huge part of that new way of working.
0: Yeah and I think the whole human nature of radio is very important and can't be underestimated as well in as much as the human interaction because we know from our experience here that people felt very isolated and when you have somebody coming out through your speaker um, who's actually a human voice as a Opposed to just a curated playlist picked by an algorithm uh, makes a big difference
4: hugely so and I think when people were in the office they had you know their work colleagues actually in the office often music was played in the off- in an office environment and they hugely missed that human interaction and that's one thing they said that radio helped deliver when they were working from home, it was company real company in terms of personalities and presenters that he invited into, the, into their home and helped them kind of substitute for the work colleagues that they missed
0: Yeah, a um, huge sample that you interviewed for this, over a thousand people people in February. So it's pretty uh, fresh research. How are you uh, hoping to use that? And what do you want, uh, you know, potential advertisers and marketeers to take away from this?
4: Well, I think particularly where we talked about it earlier, as spending habits are going to increase, or people have, you know, a pent up demand to spend money, and also what the research shows is radio is a hugely powerful source of influence on on those people who have lots of money to spend. So, a hugely hugely opportune moment for advertisers to use the medium to try and influence consumers who are changing their habits from the past few years they're going out and about, they're spending and they have money to spend and radio is right in an absolutely perfect position to help influence those decisions
0: Yeah, now um, sadly we see the impact of much negative um, media, we, we need look no further than uh, Russia and misinformation and disinformation and so on. Radio in Ireland and indeed throughout Europe is hugely trusted, that's a that's a big asset as well, not only when comparing against Russia but comparing against social media
4: hugely so and I think every research that's been done both locally and and, and, in other markets shows that radio is an enormously trusted medium. People trust what they hear on the radio, they trust the presenters, they trust the content and that has a big impact. It also has a big impact on the advertising messages that go around that trusted environment because people are, again research has shown that people are more receptive to those advertising messages around a really trusted environment and you know radio as you know is been a um, hugely healthy medium since going back to the, the mid-twenties in Ireland and has always been an incredibly trusted medium and will can, continue to be so and I think that's a real, real great opportunity for advertisers to use the, to use the medium and try and influences, influence purchase decisions as consumers are out there spending their well-earned savings.
0: Yeah, um, this is Radio Central Ireland's first piece of research. What other kind of uh, research areas are you going to be looking into how will that be of assistance to advertisers and marketeers?
4: Yeah, I think there's a few areas we really want to focus on. One key area is, is return on investment. And I think you mentioned that earlier, John, about advertisers, you know, to get the bang for their buck. If there's research in the UK that says for every £1 starting spent in the UK on radio advertising, the return is £7.70. Which is an incredible return. I think if anybody who's listening now could know they would get a 7 you limitless as your imagination. Mm. And then lastly is the whole technology and changes that have happened within technology, within radio. There's huge opportunities, really exciting developments. We want to bring them to advertisers and showcase those opportunities to them.
0: Well look, I'd say if uh, you could offer somebody a dead cert at 7 to 1 in the Grand National this afternoon, uh, people would take your hand off. Kieran Cunningham, Chief Executive of Radio Central Ireland, thanks very much. Many thanks, John. Carlo, Kilkenny,
4: KCLR.
0: KCLR indeed, it's 23 minutes away from 10 o'clock exactly. You're listening to the Bottom Line, the programme for and about business. John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock. Now, 20 questions is a really popular feature that we have periodically on the programme. So let's see who we've got lined up this week.
3: Yeah, Bernard Horne is my name and I live locally here in Grey Cullen in Carlos, Strzok, Leech, depending on what side of the river you're from. Uh, our business here is Tile Style uh, Bathrooms. Uh, we're on the go 20 years and I'm the manager owner of the business
0: And where were you born Bernard?
3: I was born actually believe it or not at a district hospital in Carlow on the 8th of May 1975 and I believe I was on TV my mother taught me uh, two weeks after um, on the official opening of the hospital Now I'm not sure whether they kept me there that long or brought me back for the day but um, I was on RTE news
0: Yeah. Tell us about your family growing up
3: family growing up but one younger brother Jonathan um, and we lived in Mount Minister Park and for some reason I don't know at five and a half I went to live with my grandparents in JKL Avenue um, just anyone that be familiar there is just at the back of uh, Willie Rat's shop there um, so I lived there with my grandparents yeah I had a good, good uh, childhood enjoyed playing on the streets and keeping around football so that's kind of what happened to me
0: Tell us about your education
3: I went to uh White National School I was very lucky I think I could go to school in less than a minute just walking across the road it was great I went to secondary school not too far away then in the present college across the road and um, I ended up doing uh, a course in Carlow IT then in construction studies um, in the 90s
0: And what was your first grown up job?
3: Um, first grown up job first job ever was working in the l people might be familiar with it. the older people in Tuller Street doing the trolleys and cleaning the car park at 13 um, first the job when I left school I was a land surveyor with FCG surveys in a tie for two years so that's what I done after I studied in college
0: Who had the greatest influence on your career path?
3: Um, Well, what, my parents they were very hard working very solid people so it got me parents, yeah
0: What is your favourite thing about your work? The
3: favourite thing about my work is good um, favourite thing I suppose seeing the customers when we deal with customers here and we see the end result that's a big thing for us and seeing the f- satisfaction in the customers faces so that's that's a, a big thing for us here in, in
0: work Can you tell us about a, an important or even a defining moment in your career?
3: It's Probably not a standout moment to be honest um, the growth of the business over the last 20 years is um, something I suppose that you no, know, it's it's day to day, just the, the growth of the business overall and how it's grown and established as, as a brand name among people, you know. So I suppose that's the, the big thing for us.
0: Can you tell us a bit of, about a typical working day for you?
3: Typical working day, half seven, just wake up, check the emails, um, get all that kind of sorted messages, send them to the appropriate place where they should be, um, get the breakfast then with the kids, bring the kids to school. In work for quarter to nine, and that's it. Yeah, you could work until doors show here at five, five thirty. Um, we could be caught with customers doing evening viewings, but yeah, that's typically your working day. Yeah, it's mostly six days a week.
0: What do you value most in a colleague?
3: Trustworthiness and honestness. I think that's massive for me. And um, everything else we can learn the workforce what to do. As in regards to different skills we need them to have, to have working in this environment but I think the most important thing is trustworthy and honesty and we're very lucky how the staff we have
0: How would your colleagues describe you?
3: That's a tough one um, probably I'd have to ask them that um, I'd hope to say that we get on very well and very fair with them and flexible yeah. Um, yeah tough one, that's a tough question but yeah, probably very fair with them and flexible
0: how do you deal with setbacks or overcome challenges?
3: I've often said to people over the years in different fields and aspects of life you can do two things in life you can lay down if something happens and take it or else you can stand up and be counted for And I just believe that you have to keep going and that's what I'd encourage anyone with setbacks or, or anything in business you know keep keep going at it and I think that that's the most important don't ever lay down
0: What's been the proudest achievement in your career so far?
3: I suppose in the business here with the Carlo Chamber and um, winning the two awards 2019 the customer service like that really uh, hit home for us because we do go the extra length with customers now look we're a shop we're a retail shop things happen and can go wrong with customers sometimes but it's how you rectify them and and I think that's the beauty about it and to win that award really really struck home us and we, we were over the moon and then obviously it was cancelled with the COVID and then 2001 last year we won the shop front of the outer the Chamber so both of those um, we're very proud of her.
0: What advice would you give to people starting out in their careers?
3: Um, I suppose when I started I went to a couple of local people and they advised me against starting the business that I'm in here now. Um, So if you believe in something, do it. And work hard, nothing comes easy. And just give the business or whatever you're trying to do every possible chance to exist. I think that's the key. But if you have a good feeling with something, go with it. So that's the advice I'd give to people.
0: How do you like to relax
3: I live, love a good GEA match whether it's hurling or football I love sitting in the crowd I love listening to the, especially older people that come out with some funny things and it's a great way to relax and I enjoy it and also maybe two or three times a year before the COVID obviously we travelled to um, soccer games in the UK so it's nice to get away for a weekend like that but the GEA is a big part of me and I love it
0: What's your favourite holiday destination?
3: Mm, holiday destination? family holiday was definitely Croatia in uh, age, it's north Croatia it was absolutely fabulous Um, the sea the food the people amazing yeah I'd recommend it for anyone
0: What has the Covid-19 pandemic made you realise over the last two years?
3: Um, I suppose a lot of people were laid off during it and a lot of people their values themselves they got to reflect on what was important in their lives unfortunately in our industry we got more busier so we didn't get a chance to be at home like a lot of people but I suppose we did lose relations through the COVID so look I suppose it makes her re- reflect on life and what's it all about being kind of caught in the, in the whole thing of working every day and everything work life balance so it definitely gave us a reflection on, on that kind of stuff which is important
0: can you tell us about a business book that might have uh, influenced you, or and tell us why? I
3: don't really read books, believe it or not. Um, the Sun and the The Sunday Independent, I enjoy reading, especially the sports and the business section. So, I probably only read once a week, to be honest. And I, I'm not really into books, so unfortunately, I can't recommend any book for you.
0: Tell us something about yourself that might surprise us.
3: Um. I love a vindaloo I love spicy food uh, good Indians can't go wrong and uh, also a lot of people wouldn't know about it I actually um, I'm dyslexic so that's um, something a lot of people wouldn't know about me but definitely if you haven't tried a vindaloo try it
0: What's your favourite piece of music?
3: Um, Ave Maria sung by Pavarotti I think it's I don't know I just like sitting down relaxing and listening to it <laughs>
0: Yes, you are actually listening to uh, The Bottom Line on Casey. Law. You unaccustomed, as I am, to playing uh, Pavarotti and uh, very unaccustomed to playing Ave Maria. But that was the music choice of Bernard Horan, who was our uh, guest on this week's 20 questions. And I enjoyed chatting to Bernard earlier in the week. Now, moving on, during the week, the intergovernmental panel on climate change issued a report that said the world can still hope to save stave off the worst ravages of climate breakdown but only through a now or never dash to low carbon economies and societies and the scientists have given what is in effect a final warning on climate and this is very serious so, my eye was caught by an announcement saying that the Carlo Kilkenny Education and Training Board is, is well positioned to help business meet the skill demands of the green economy. Now, pardon my ignorance, but I had thought that education and training boards were largely engaged in classroom-based education, but I was wrong. And I'm delighted to be joined in studio to tell me more and about how our local education and training Uh, board can help business do what needs to be done in relation to the environment and indeed in relation to lots of other issues by Gillian Ryan who's assistant manager and Gabrielle Carroll employment engagement officer both with Kilkenny-Carlo education and training board you're both very welcome to the bottom line
5: Thanks, John. Good morning, Good morning,
0: John. Good. Can I start with you, Gabrielle? Just give us a broad introduction to Kilkenny and Carlo Education and Training Board first and what, what you actually do.
5: Well, I suppose what you have said about Kilkenny and Carlo Education Board being known for classroom-based learning. That's really what we have been known for. And in 2013, just to give you a background, uh, Carlo and Kilkenny VECs would have come together uh, to form uh, the Education and Training Board. And it's one of 16 um, Education and Training Boards across the country. And with that, then, we have um, the Responsibility for delivering second level education for um, music um, and youth work and also further education and training and that's FET so further education and training is the part that we're talking to you from this morning. Um, Yeah yeah.
0: now Gillian um, tell us a bit about the Green Skills Summit that was something that you did uh, and which I think is of particular relevance to what we're facing there now what were the key messages of the Green Skills Summit?
1: Yeah, so I suppose it was first of its kind. Um, it was hosted by Solace, by our funding authority. Um happened on the 23rd of March in Wexford. And it was really about... FED taking a proactive look at the skills needs of industry and how I suppose we're going to support green skills into the future. So a lot of the speakers were really referencing um, the really ambitious goals of the Climate Action Plan 2030. um, You know 400,000 residential heat pumps, 840,000 electric cars and really what role FED is going to play in that.
0: That's further education and training.
1: Exactly further education and training.
0: So that's not classroom-based, that's working with people outside of the classroom.
1: Absolutely, and really I suppose our message this morning is that... um For us to actually make any meaningful impact here, we have a role to play with building relationships with business, understanding their needs, and then being flexible in our response. So whether that is an online solution, whether it's an on-site solution, it doesn't have to be classroom as such. And we have examples of programmes that are online, you know, are very kind of action-based and working with employers. And that's the route we'll be taking with Green Skills.
0: Okay, well look, uh, it's coming up to 10 minutes away from 10 o'clock. We're going to take a break. We're talking about the environment Uh, I'm joined in studio by Gillian Ryan and Gabrielle Carl from Kilkenny Carlaw Education and Training Board. We have more to discuss and we'll go into specifics on how KCETB can help your business adapt to the challenges facing us on the environment. Don't go away. Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR KCLR indeed you're listening to the Bottom Line John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock Edward Hayden taking over the reins just after 10 o'clock now I'm joined in studio by Gillian Ryan and also Gabrielle Carroll from Kilkenny Carlo Education and Training Board. Gabrielle we were talking about how the ETB has reached beyond you know classroom based stuff and does training solutions for business. That's your specific role. Can you tell us about it?
5: Yeah sure, well I suppose this year particularly we've uh, refocused and relaunched our training solutions for business um, service and what that entails is essentially we have access, and we can access the National Training Fund. And how we do that is, we have we speak with the local employers. Uh, there's over seven and a half thousand uh, b- businesses registered across Kilkenny and Carlow. So, if you think about the number of those, and a lot of those are SMEs, so it's one, you know, whether it's one employee up to two hundred and fifty. And we then have a role. Then we work with them to identify their staff training, so we can provide uh, accredited staff training. Um, uh, I suppose, on the levels, um, if anybody knows uh, the qualification uh, frameworks nationally, and I suppose this is a bit of technical jargon, but generally that goes from one to ten, one bin entry level, ten bin like PhD. So we deal in the one to six area. And that's really up to six is like first year in college, kind of an apprenticeship level. Um, and where we operate then with businesses, we work across all the different sectors. We hospitality, transport, construction, everything that you'll find really retail on the ground here in Carlo and Kilkenny. So um, what we, I suppose that the way that we operate is we meet with the employee, employers, they identify where they're going with their business over the next year or two um, and then looking at what staff training they need um, to fulfill that and to deliver for it. And then we, I, we, I, I talk with them and if it's a thing, lots of small businesses may not have access to, you know, Detailed kind of HR or not HR, but um, training needs analysis. Yeah. You know, so we support them with that kind of element as well. And um, just to identify what it is that they they are they're, they're looking at. Then I work with the team back in the office. Then um, and I'm putting together an extensive team with extensive knowledge. I have to say, um, to put together uh, programs, and we work then with large scale training operator a- training providers um, all of them are quality assured it's all industry accredited or it's national framework accredited so it's a really quality thing and this is for the most part it's uh, fully funded by the government and that's the key message I suppose because for smaller businesses if you're training somebody in Excel or you're training you know that's going to cost you several hundred euro if not a thousand euro mm. you can come and talk to us and we'll see how we can fit in
0: Yeah. Now, uh, I I mentioned at the introduction that the uh, International Panel of Experts on Climate Change is basically saying it's now or never if the world is to stave off climate disaster and really scary timelines like, you know, we've a three year window. Gillian, can you tell us, you know, about what kind of stuff? Um, you can help businesses with on the whole green skills and how, how they can start making a difference.
1: Of course. So um, on the back of the Green Skills um, Solace will be launching kind of FET roadmap to 2030 for us to give us a bit of direction in terms of what we'll do here. But already, I suppose, if you're a hotel in Kenne or Carlo, and we've worked with Seven in 2021 on a programme called 50 Shades Greener. And this is an online action-based programme kind of supporting companies to really understand, control and reduce their use of energy water and the production of waste. Also looking at kind of social sustainability and green procurement. And the overall aim there was reducing the cost of their utilities, helping them to save money and then reinvesting in green projects. So that's one that's already available there and it's just to contact Gabrielle. Um, We were working, I suppose, extensively with the transport industry um, on pre-employment courses, I suppose, to help the skills shortage there. But we'll also have a programme for the bus and coach industry and it's called Smart Driving. Again, a three-day programme So not a huge commitment, but has massive benefits for the company in terms of fuel efficiencies, reducing carbon emissions, and it's all based around eco driving, defensive driving, looking at driver behaviours and trying to change them.
0: And that all helps uh, with the environment, amazingly. And I'm amazed to read there are up to 50 different courses available through various ETBs just on the green uh, skills area as well. Unfortunately, we're running out of time. But Gabrielle, if people want to engage with you, it's not just a question of like picking from a list the courses. You'll sit down and consult with
5: people. 100%, and I suppose that's that's uh, one of the added bonuses of this, is that you can come and talk to us. While we do offer the off-the-shelf type programs, uh, we can also look at bespoke, customised training. Um, and even to some extent, I suppose people would, uh, you know, I'd always say we're worth an ask. Uh, pick up the phone, have a chat with us, um, and we'll have a look and see what it is that we can do. Like, we're about supporting the learners but m- increasingly lo- supporting the employer as well um and i suppose if you can look at it in a way that you know the more uh, training you can give the more productive productivity you can give um, and hopefully that'll reduce um, reduce climate impact in the long run
0: Absolutely, well it's an imperative and something we've all got to do unfortunately that's all we've got time for and thank you Gillian and thank you Gabrielle for coming into us that's all we've got time for this week on the bottom line remember if you have any comments or ideas you'd like to get to us you can email the bottom line at caseylaure96fm.com or if you'd like to listen back to this show or indeed any of our over 200 Uh, editions of the bottom line just search for the bottom line on kclr on the apple store google play or spotify thanks to all our guests this week martin o'brien Kieran cunningham bernard Horahan, gillian ryan and gabrielle carroll thanks to deirdre drummy who produces the show and thanks most of all to you for listening i hope you have a great weekend and no matter where you spend it keep your eyes on the prize and keep the faith edward hayden is up next with the saturday show before that, we've got the news at 10 o'clock, but we've got lots more for you all over the weekend on KCLR. We'll be back to you next Saturday, just after the news at nine, with our Easter edition of The Bottom Line. But until we speak again, look after yourself and look after each other.
4: The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell.
1: Brought to you with thanks to O'Neil Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. Www.omf.ie.